Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. I have to have to tell you, I'm going through a crisis, a mid-podcast crisis. You know, I've had so many wonderful guests on, uh, and I feel not adequate enough or inadequate to podcast myself to to do an episode with just even though I've done them and and you've heard those but I, I'm aware of the feeling of inadequacy of oh, you just don't want to hear my voice and trust me this is not a plea for you to be like no Leo we love you we love your voice say more um it's not that. It's I'm sharing this to say that we all have feelings of inadequacy, feelings of not being enough. And sometimes it shows up as us collaborating or rather hiding behind someone else. And sometimes I feel like I'm hiding behind the guests, like the guests can do all the talking. I don't have to say anything. And... People will love the episode or not, um, but, you know, nothing risked, nothing lost kind of thing. And I'm sitting here like, why is that? Because I I was talking in the beginning. Well, the first episode was, uh, I guess, Dr. Uh, Norman. Awesome. If you haven't checked that one out, check it out. It's about journaling and what bothers you. But I felt like just sharing that with you because because I know that so many of you may be feeling the same thing and you're like, am I the only one feeling inadequate? And um, no matter where you are in the game, whether you um, have seven Super Bowl rings as Tom Brady does or you have no Super Bowl rings, never even been to the Super Bowl uh, or even in the playoffs, the, the feelings of inadequacy are a part not a part, right? Not a part as in A P A R T, but a part as in A space P A R T of life, of humanity. It's what connects us. Go up to anybody, go up to a stranger and be like, hey, what do you uh what do you feel in, what do you feel inadequate about? I actually used to uh, <laughs> I used to say that in my in uh, when I was on dating apps. Don't tell Michelle. But you know, one of my first questions I would ask is, I would say, "It looks like you have everything together. What part of your life don't you have together?" And I'd say eighty to ninety percent of women would respond with, "What part was kind of out of control? Whether it was their spending or eating or working out too much or working too much there's there's always a part of our life that we feel uh inadequate about or just spiraling out of control or overwhelmed by or um just keeping it together and it's okay to lead with that you know if you're at a party and you it feels like everybody's the cool kid just to say, you know, I don't feel like the cool kid anymore, or, or I, anymore. I don't feel like the cool kid, or 
I feel kind of geeky standing here and what I have on. And you, you'll find somebody who'll be like, hey, I feel geeky too. Let's hang out. Two geeks. You know, what are you reading? What are you reading? I, I don't know. So with that said, uh, I do have a lot I do want to share with you. Uh, I do want to start with the Super Bowl because, and I've mentioned this before, that Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay Bucks, winning that Super Bowl, it's, uh, it, it's a demonstration of so many things. One, uh, how important team is. You know, Tom Brady took a pay cut. So that, and I know I have listeners all uh, in different parts of the world who may not watch football or even care, but Tom Brady's a quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they just won the Super Bowl on Sunday, which is a sporting event. I, I just want to assume that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, but he had, up to, before yesterday, had six Super Bowl rings, and so could command any amount of money that he wanted, but he decided that he was going to take the pay cut, and because he wanted to win a Super Bowl, and he knew that if they gave him too much money, that then they couldn't get the people on his team that he needed to win the Super Bowl. And that speaks to sacrifice, and sometimes how we have to sacrifice something, give something up for the bigger picture. And that could be money, it could be food, drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, working out. It could be even family. Tom Brady, <laughs> you know, and this wouldn't work for everybody, that the two weeks before the Super Bowl, uh, told his family, he's like, I can't see you for two weeks. I got to focus. And like I said, that doesn't work for everybody. Serena Williams, who is in the Australian Open right now, competing for her Super Bowl, she needed her family with her the whole time. She said, and I quote, I'd be depressed if my family wasn't around, end quote. I think that was a quote, quote-ish. And so different strokes for different folks. The point is we need team. We can't do it by ourselves, and we have to be intentional, and we have to be mindful. I want to take this moment to really double down on Two things. One is mindfulness and one is time. And being mindful as to the amount of effort it takes to build a team. It doesn't just happen overnight. And when we think about reading and writing in school, it took us 12 years to learn how to read and write. And for some of us, we're still learning how to read and write. I still don't know how to spell entrepreneur. So our, our struggles continue. And I'm, I'll be 45 this year. March 18th, if you want to give me something, you know what I mean? Um, and, but with our mental health and our, our trauma from our past lives, we expect to, to go to a therapist once or twice, get some pills, and, and we're good. Or we, we think that after a year of working on it, or we, we read a few self-help books from, you know, the New York Times bestseller, and we're like, I, I should be good. And the people around us expect us to be good, right? It's like, well, did you did you talk to somebody? Didn't you read the thing? Why are you still doing this? And we don't have enough compassion for ourselves and enough compassion for the people around us to recognize it's a process. And the process for some people 
they get it right away. Just like in math class, there was the teacher explained it once, and there were some kids, usually a small percentage of kids, who got it right away. And then most kids needed a, a second explanation. And then there's another group of kids that needed a third explanation and a tutor. And there was another group of kids who needed a third explanation, a tutor, uh, after hours, after school, come in before school, and, you know, some supplemental stuff, come in on the weekends. So, and it's okay. Whatever it takes for you to accomplish the mission, to get it done, to feel like, and it's not about getting it done because we never get there, right, when we're talking about dealing with our stuff, but about feeling like you're, you're doing something, you're taking steps, you're proactive, and you'll know. You'll know. And what I mean is, is not, I hear so many people saying, uh, like when I read about someone who's entered their life, they're like, they were going to see a therapist. Uh, all right. Not every therapist is the same. That's like if if I, um, uh, you know, died from malnourishment and they were like, he was eating, he ate three meals a day, but it was like McDonald's, you know? So it's not about just going to see a therapist. It's about really taking, being aware of like, is this the right therapist for me? Do we connect? Do we vibe? Um, are they effective in treating me? My, forget about the PhDs on a wall. Forget about the education and and um, all the modalities that they know and the, and the books that they've written and the recommendations that they come with. Scrap all that. It comes down to what do you feel like when you're in a room with them? Do you feel a connection? Do you feel like they're on your side? That they're that they're 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 truly rooting for you, that they are exhausting the possibilities for you. And that, that doesn't mean that they're up late at night and waking up with you in their mind. I'm not I'm not saying all that. But do you feel like they're that they're engaged in and, and invested in in your purpose and in your mission and in your health and your well-being as you are. Because I can guarantee you a lot of the people who've maybe a, a attempted and they would probably say no. When you feel like you have someone on your side, whether it's a person, a therapist, a pet, even a, a, a blanket that what was that movie with Tom Cruise where he had the the, the volleyball? He felt like that volleyball was his best friend. And for that, he kept going. So don't fall in love with the stats. It's not enough. What does it feel like in the room? What, is it, what do you feel like when you talk to them on the phone? Advocate for yourself. When we think about destructive relationships, we usually just think about in the home, husband and wife, or parent and child. But it could be the same thing with your therapist. If you don't feel like they're taking what you're going through seriously or they can effectively treat it, then you have to move on. And it's that feeling of, 
taking your life in, into your own hands, your future into your own hands. That's the thing that keeps you going instead of feeling like at effect of everything that's happening, like, like you're just accepting whatever's tossed in front of you. You're just accepting of whatever recommendation or whatever the doctor says or whatever your parents say. To know that you have a voice and you can voice that. Valentine's Day is around the corner. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's causing a lot of angst. It's going to be a way for us to, for us fellas to make up for <laughs> all the Sundays we spent watching football. And some of us are single or without an intimate romantic without a I don't want to say intimate a romantic partner and that's okay maybe you're gonna have uh, a group of girls get together on Valentine's Day or your boys gonna hang out I don't know if anybody's really hanging out during the pandemic like in groups like that in Atlanta they are they don't care but if you are if you are Single, and even if you are in a relationship, single in a relationship, it doesn't matter what your relationship. Maybe maybe you're transitioning, you're dating, you don't really know. We're gonna see where this goes. It's imperative that we understand what are the the, the foundations of uh, a positive relationship, because I I can guarantee that you're in a relationship and you want to deepen it, you want to connect more. And sometimes we're just not aware of how to do that. Here are a few ways that we can deepen our relationship. And one is to notice the effect that we have on the people around us just through our behavior. They, they did this uh, study on smokers, and if your friend is a smoker, then you have a 25% chance of smoking. And your friend, not, not the friend who's a smoker, but your, your friend, then if you have another friend, that friend has a 15% chance of smoking. And then that friend's friend, a 10% chance. And then that friend's friend's friend, a 5% chance. The, the point is, is that our behaviors influence the behaviors of the people around us. So a lot of times in a relationship, we get so focused on trying to make the other person into a thing or, uh, you know, into the idea of what we want them to be. And really, most of the power lays in who we are as a person and how we show up to the relationship. Because over time, who we are and how we show up, that will rub off on the people we are around. Now, if you're in a long-distance relationship and you're not around each other that much, 
then it, it takes longer for that effect to take place. You don't have to tell your partner or spouse to, to clean this or, or do that. You just have to be the person who does it and, and express that that's what you like and that's what you want and maybe uh, you know you, to have a discussion on a system or what's important or, or how to get it done. Maybe you get a house cleaner, whatever. But to to tell somebody what to do and how to do it and when to do it, because that's how you, you know, that you're going to get pushback on that. It's going to lead to a power struggle. And I'm bringing this up because we, we know that relationships are what we care about and what we value. And sometimes we ask ourselves, why, why are my relationships not working? Why are they dissolving? Why do I find myself in the same pattern? And, you know, some, and I'm guilty of trying to be a fixer myself, but realizing that, you know, it's true when they say it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us. The, one of the main tenets of a positive relationship, you know, we talked about one, focusing on our behaviors that we want to see uh, emulated, but two, forgiveness. And this is a big one because this is hard, forgiving someone. And by the way, forgiveness is not about telling the other person, I forgive you. It's not about I forgive. Like that's not what forgiveness is about, even though that's the way it's usually showed. It's really more about uh, you letting go. It's it's more about you and you letting go versus you telling the other person, I forgive you. Right? It's about letting go of the anger. It's about letting go of the resentment. And that's hard. Right, because and I and I want you to get it mixed up. The the forgiveness is not about forgetting. Um, it's about, or even restoring. It's about letting go of that anger and resentment. So that you can move forward. So that your your energy can be put somewhere else. So that you feel a little lighter when you hop around. Uh, you know, maybe you need to forgive your parents or uh, an authority figure, a family member, a friend, a boss, an employee, a coworker, a stranger. Most importantly, and this probably rings true for most of us, it's about forgiving ourselves. Can I forgive myself for what I did last week, for what I said last night, what I thought a year ago? What I planned, what I executed, what I didn't execute, what I what I got done, what I didn't finish. Can I forgive myself for what I was a part of? Can I let go of that anger and resentment that's around that? Can, can I forgive my childhood self? For the things that I wasn't in control of.
And I know forgiveness is so tough. It's the hardest thing. Well, maybe not. The, I think trigonometry is probably a little harder. But it's tough. And we throw that word around all the time. It's like, how do I forget? I don't know. One of the ways we can practice forgiveness is to write a letter. Write a letter to the person that you forgive. And that letter could be to yourself. That letter could be to yourself, your nine-year-old self. It could be to yourself from five years ago, to your divorced self, to your married self. To, to, it could be to your parents or a parent or whoever it was. Write a letter. And, and don't worry about the grammar because you're not going to send it. You're not going to send it. Maybe, but you can put it in an envelope, put a little stamp on it, address. You know, it's like you're, you're sending it off to Santa Claus. But the first part is to really sit down and, and write the letter and write it. Don't type it. There's something visceral about that pen and paper in your hand. You know, when we think about forgiving ourselves and, and forgiving other people, we usually think of heinous acts of violence and abuse. But sometimes it's about feeling like we haven't lived up to our potential, like we could have done more with our lives. And sometimes we're angry at ourselves for not taking advantage of our advantages, of not making the the most of our opportunities. And, and then that anger and that resentment of, oh, I knew I should have, and why didn't I? Write that letter. Maybe the anger and resentment is, you know, you, you, you lost someone close to you, and you could have been there, but you weren't. Forgive yourself. Let go of that anger. Let go of that resentment. So, you know, take time, sit down, write the letter. And don't mail it. Or you could drop it in the mailbox, but, you know, it's not really to go to anybody. The other thing you can do if you want to forgive is call them and, and take active steps in working to restore the relationship, the friendship, the communication. And say that, like, I'm calling because I, not to say, you don't call them and say, I'm calling to forgive you, but you're saying, I'm calling because I want to restore our, our friendship. I want, I want to restore our communication, our connection. You're my soul. You're my life. And it's, I, it's hard to live without you, and I want you back. And what we argued about or what we, it, it, it's not bigger than and who we are together and what we can get done together. 
It's not bigger than our future. So we can write a letter. We can make a phone call to, with the intention of restoring the relationship, not blaming the other person, not criticizing the other person, and say, I, I, I want to I heal this. third way we can write a letter is a forgiveness is act as if we are a fly on the wall and what did the fly see write it from the fly's perspective because the fly the, the fly is on the wall it sees the interaction between you two or three or five or whatever the situation is. And the fly doesn't know, didn't see what happened before. It didn't see the five years before this or, or the 10 years or, or what they did when you were seven or uh, a week ago. It did, it's only, the fly on the wall is only at the moment of, of major impact. And, and to write the letter from that fly on the wall's perspective. What does it see? What does it hear? What does it smell? What is it? What is it? The touch. It's in the room. It, it doesn't, it's, it's not tuned into motives or backstory or emotions or any of that. It's just giving uh, a play by play of what happened. So you write that letter from the perspective of the fly. You write the letter from the perspective of yourself. And then you write the letter from the perspective of the other person. So you have three perspectives. When you write from your perspective, it's a way for you to say all the things that you want to say that's been boiling around in your head. And now you got it all out on paper. And then when you write the the letter from your the other person's perspective is it is showing uh, empathy and, and compassion and understanding, most importantly, of what their perspective may have been. And, and maybe some blind spots you may have had in processing the entire thing. You go, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, they had just lost a friend and also... Uh, you know, they took a pay cut and their house is being broken. I didn't realize all that was, um, you know, leading up to to that moment. I, I didn't realize that was, they had all that on their shoulders at the time. And like I said, this is not to let them off the hook. This is about you being able to let go. So I want to reiterate, there, there are three ways that, we can work to forgive. One is to just to write a letter, just to just write out whatever you want to write, put it in an envelope, and you can drop it in the mailbox if you want or not. Or you could throw it in a fire or whatever you want to do. But just write it how you want to write it. The second one is to call them with the intention of restoring the relationship. And then the third one is to write a letter from your perspective, their perspective, and then the fly on the wall's perspective. 
And that's all in one letter. And, and that amount of compassion that you'll have, um, you'll, you'll build up for them. It'll also allow you to have more compassion for yourself. Another part of, uh, and we're still talking about what are the qualities of a positive relationship? So, so far we've covered, you know, focusing on what are my actions instead of focusing on what what's the other person is doing, what the, right? Second is practicing forgiveness because in a relationship we're, we're going to make I don't want to say so many mistakes, but we're human. And no one gets anything right the first time, not all the time. And if this is the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, then learning how to forgive is tantamount to a lasting relationship or else you're just racking up charges. The other part of a a positive relationship is building social capital, right? Social capital. I think when we think about a relationship, we usually tend to think about it being between two people. But as we've said, it takes a tribe to raise a child. It also takes a tribe to raise a couple, to raise a relationship, to raise a, a uh, a partnership. It takes a tribe. It takes a tribe of people. The other day, I went to um, the doctor to get my get a uh, echocardiogram, and the tech told me that he raises bees. He has a beehive. He has like six beehives, and he has like three hundred pounds of honey, and he's just like giving it away. And I, I came home and I told Michelle about it. And she's like, did you get his number? And I was like, I, you know what? I should have gotten his number. I should have. Because that's someone who was doing something so creative and so productive, it would have, it would have added to our social capital. And, and not that, you know, you, you connecting with people out of a, just because uh, you're thinking about transactions, but it's that mind, the mindset that he has to even want to have a beehive. And then he has, he's making 300 pounds of honey that he's just giving away to people. So it shows that he has a kind heart. He's uh, connected to earth and we can learn things from him. Plus the honey, it would be local. And, and as Michelle pointed out, would be great for our allergies. So that ups our social capital. And then when we meet other people and somebody's like, oh, I need honey. I'm like, oh, my boy has like 300 pounds of honey. They're like, you got a friend with 300 pounds of honey? And then we just start connecting people. And maybe we connect him with somebody who then wants to slap some labels on his honey. And then we put him on Shark Tank. He makes $20 million And we get a 10% cut. And everybody, okay, okay, okay. Everybody take it easy. 
social capital. It's so important to relationships. When Michelle and I were in Peru, you know, the, the locals had a thing called Anyi, and it meant reciprocity. I, you do for me, I do for you. Because one day you're going to need me to do for you. And if you didn't do for me when, when and you know, I can't say I'm going to be there. But we live in such a, a, a hyper-individualized world um, or country. I should say area because there's some places where they're still very connected, very community-based. Uh, that now if I need help, I have to... I have to pay for it. I have to, I have to pay a, I have to pay a therapist. If I'm hungry, I have to use Uber Eats. Back in the day, if you were sick, you didn't use Uber Eats. Your your neighbors would come by with food and soup. They knew you were sick. They they know because they'd be like, oh, you know, Leo didn't water the plants today. Something must. Let me go check on Leo. Or, Usually I see him walking outside at a certain time. He didn't walk out there today. Maybe me go, me go knock on the door and make sure everything is good. That's kind of the romantic view uh, of the past. That we, <laughs> that also depended on where you lived and at what time period. But social capital. I was telling a friend today that when when um, I'm starting to practice that when I meet people, not just to get their phone number, to get their birthday. Get all the numbers. I want all your numbers. I want your, I want your phone number. I want your birthday number. I want your social security number. I want all the numbers. Why? Because I, I want to I I have a reason to continuously connect with you. Right now, Facebook has all the numbers. I have none of the numbers. Get people's phone numbers, get their, get their uh, birthdays, get their anniversaries. So you have a reason to continually check up on them at least once a year to say, hello, happy birthday, how are you doing? And, and now Facebook is doing all the work. So now I'm using a, a, a we're using a middleman to connect. You know what that's like? That's like... Um, it's like if I had my secretary call my call Michelle to to, to be like, "Hey, uh, Mr. Flower says happy birthday," and then <laughs> if my secretary called, first of all, I don't have a secretary. You guys are like, you got a secretary? I don't have it. I'm just saying. Back in the day, you know, you'd watch a show like Mad Men, and it, it, you know the bosses would have the secretary be like, you know, get my wife something for her birthday and, and a card and, and write something and I'll sign it or, or whatever it is. But now we, we have Facebook for that kind of thing. I have some friends who are close to me and, I, and as I'm saying this, I have no idea when their birthdays are. And I understand that a lot of us, um, you know, we live in isolated areas and it's it's, it's hard to... There's not a lot of people around, but it, now it becomes even more imperative to to make more of an effort to connect with the people who are around and, and find a reason to stay connected. It doesn't have to be every day. 
or every week, but if you get somebody's birthday, at least you know you're going to go once a year. Once a year, you're going to connect. Get their anniversary, that's twice a year. You get their address, now, now you can send them little knickknacks or gifts, or if you make honey, you can mail them honey. Get their number. No, don't get their number. Get their numbers. Oh, yeah, I like that. You like that? Yeah, I like that. So build social capital because when you have social capital, it gives you more people to talk to outside the relationship, to connect with. Instead of, you know, just going to the bar or, um, you know, even infidelity. Uh, A lot of times infidelity is just we don't have other people to connect with just on a a friendship level because we become so intertwined in ourselves or in our work that we're seeking uh, new uh, dopamine, neurotransmitters, serotonins. And then it spirals into, you know, something. So take time to build social capital. And there's a few ways you can build social capital. You can pay it forward, right, by um, doing something nice for someone else. And you see this with um, uh, people who, like, at Starbucks, they'll pay for somebody else's drink. They'll be like, you know what, here's an extra five. Put this on the next person's. Take this off the next person's bill. Or sometimes you, you build social capital where it goes back to Anya. You do something for me. I do something for you. Right? But you don't do something for somebody with the intention of them doing it for you. It's you you, you want to come from a place of, you know, if, you, if you're in that position, you want to do it from your heart. You do for me, I do for you. It makes the world a a much more beautiful place. Another way we can build a positive relationship is spontaneous or random acts of kindness, right? When when we just do random things for each other. A lot of times, you know, like when we're celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, Valentine's Day, the flowers, the chocolates, the cars, all that is, you know, it's expected. It's not random. It's not spontaneous. But if you just come home on a random Tuesday with some roses or a card, wow, that has a much bigger impact. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you still ain't, shouldn't, you know, that doesn't mean you don't have to come home on Valentine's Day with some flowers and cars. That that could be tumultuous right there. You try that. You come home. so. That doesn't let you off the hook. But practicing spontaneous or random acts for yourself or for your neighbors or for your friends, all that feeds into a positive relationship. And and I'm talking about this positive relationships because there's so much talk about red flags, like looking out for red flags. (laughs) If you're with somebody long enough, you're going to see red flags. Like, that's just part of being with someone. So what we're talking about is, okay, we're together. We want to be together, 
forever. How do we how do we do that? And by the way, even if you're not in a relationship, spontaneous and random acts of kindness for yourself carry just as much weight. Whether that means, you know, usually sometimes people will uh, like women get their hair done on the weekends to go get that done on a Wednesday. Why, why, why are you waiting for the weekend for spa day? Let's make that Tuesday. Or sometimes I take a bubble bath in the middle of the day. It's a little, it's a little random act, spontaneous act of kindness to Leo Flowers. And you don't have to get credit for it. Sometimes it can be anonymous, you know, dropping a little something off on someone's doorstep in your neighborhood. It's so easy to complain about what's wrong with the neighborhood, but there's so many things we can do to build up positive social energy. In our na- the other day I was walking down the street and somebody's, somebody left their keys in their door and I just ran up, knocked on the door, and I didn't even hang around. I, I took off. You never know. I just knocked so that they would come answer the door. They probably didn't even open the door. They thought somebody was just joking around. But at some point, they realized, oh, I left my keys in the dump. So when we talk about positive relationships, we're not just talking about romantically. We're talking about in our community. We're talking about at work. You know, there's nothing people love more than just a little trinket or gift spontaneously, you know, at work. You leave something on their desk, on their car. Or... But especially for yourself, because you deserve it. And I'm proud of you. I, Leo Flowers, am proud of you because look at how far you've made it through the pandemic. It hasn't been easy. Isolated, cut off, routines, broken up, dollars diminished. It hasn't been easy. So I applaud you for hanging in there and, and finding a reason to get up and get showered and get dressed every morning. You know, if you are single, what's challenging is it is challenging to meet someone because, you know, we got that, that fight or flight response sometimes when we're, when we're meeting a stranger for the first time. And a lot of times people are hesitant in general. A lot of times we think <laughs> people are responding to us personally, you know, when they shut down or like you ever try to talk to a stranger. And sometimes you're scared, and sometimes they look scared when you approach them or say something. Like, uh-huh. But that's just in general. In general, we are wired as human beings. This is a science of, you know, we, uh, of that fight-or-flight response kicks in when uh, a stranger is near. And immediately we have to determine friend or foe. We have to, you have to do that in seconds. And depending on a person's background, you know, their response might be more or less. Or some people, you know, don't have that at all. They're just they're cool as a cucumber. Walking around with open arms. So my point is, you know, if you are, if you do want to connect with people, don't take their initial 
uh, uh, not restraint, that's not the word I'm looking for, but hesitancy, that's not even a word, but um, as, uh, as, as something that's personal to you. That's just how most of us are wired as human beings. And so it might take a few times of you saying hi. I've, I've talked about before how I just say hi to people in the neighborhood because I'm new to the neighborhood. And now people are starting to say hi back. A neighbor lent us a book. You know, so we're starting to, it takes time to connect with people. And it takes time for people to let their guard down and, 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 and know that, you know, you, you come with good intentions. Some people got that, uh, you know, a lot of us have Native American blood. So we know what happens when we let in strangers. I had a friend tell me once that he's never met a stranger. He's only met friends. The world are full of friends. Now, at some point, (laughs) they may become estranged. But he's never met a stranger. And I want you to marinate on that, you know. If you are in a relationship and you two are, or maybe three, and you know, it depends on how you swing, are struggling or battling, or ask yourself, is this, is this my, to re, or to remind yourself that that's your friend, that, they're, that they are your ally, that they're on your side, hopefully. And if, and if you don't feel that, then, you know, maybe the, the discussion needs to be about changing the nature of the relationship. But to take time every day and look yourself in the eye, remember, you are your best friend. Everything starts with you. And it's okay to say, I need help, I need support, I need teammates, I need a team, I can't do this myself, and I don't want to do it myself, I want to do this with a team. Because with the team comes acknowledgement and appreciation and high fives and pats on the back and purpose and mission. Just know that if you, if you feel like you don't have a team, it takes time, and that's okay. But to take one action step every day towards building a team, building a positive relationship with yourself, with the people around you. I have a sugar 
addiction. Like I, I call it an addiction. Because I can't just have one cookie. I need all the cookies. I need a million cookies. And I, I'm realizing I need to write an obituary to sugar. There was an article in the New York Times about how to write an obituary. And an obituary has three parts. There are the stats, like what's your, you know, your name, your age, date of birth. And then there's a story, little anecdotes that celebrate the life. And then the last part is survived by. And I haven't figured out, you know, I'll share with you in the next episode or two or three how I've written that obituary to sugar because I, I need to bury it. We've had a, we've had a not so positive relationship. What do you need to bury so that you can forgive and let go? And what would that obituary be? Thank you for joining me on today's episode. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.